Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. Amen. Amen. I want to talk about position tonight. Being in position. It's important to be in position. Amen. Um, it's uh, dangerous to be out of position. We're going to talk about our position in Christ tonight. Look at Genesis chapter 1. Probably already know where I'm going, but in verse 26. Genesis 1, verse 26 says, Then God said, Let us make man in, everyone say in, in our image, in our image, according to our likeness. Remember that uh, the word likeness speaks to function. So it doesn't mean that we look like God, it means that we act like God. It doesn't mean that we look like God, it means we act like God. I mean, if, if we look like God, then God's got all kinds of different looks and appearances to him, amen? Uh, we know that there's nobody on this planet that looks uh, exactly the same or is made up exactly the same as another individual, even identical twins. There's different makeups and different things that set them apart. Uh, you know, we don't need to get into all that, but you understand where I'm going. We're talking about function. Let us make man. So God is creating man here. He's speaking it out just as he's done with uh, all the other uh, five days that have taken place so far, and he does what? He speaks what he wants to create, and then he tells it what it's going to do. He tells it how it's going to operate. So there's nothing different here. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. So they're created in our image, in me, the way, in, in who I am, everything that I have, the, my makeup, and then they're going to do what I do, their likeness, their function in the earth, according to our likeness. Let them, let them have dominion. So he first says, let us make man in our image and according to our likeness. And then he says, because they are in our image and because they uh, uh, function like us and they're going to do what we're doing, let them have dominion. Now he's handing over responsibility. Let them have dominion. Over what? Over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So right here in these three, three, these three verses, we have the beginning. We have uh, uh, what we could say is uh, the first taste of what mankind is to be doing on the earth. Notice that God created man. God created man. Therefore, you don't need to be going to someone else trying to find out what you were created to do. If you want to know what you were created to do, you need to go to the creator, the one that created you, the one that puts you here. Uh, uh, you don't uh, own a Toyota vehicle and take it to Nissan to find out why it's not functioning right. Where do you, where do you take it? You take it to its creator. You take it to its manufacturer. You go find a Toyota de uh, dealership, uh, I mean dealership, 
uh, you, go, you go find Toyota and you ask them, why is it doing this? Or why is this working this way? Or what is this supposed to do? See, a lot of times we, 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 we go to each other trying to find out what I'm supposed to do. Or we just copy what someone else is doing. Hello, but we've we, we got to go to our creator, the one who put us here, the one who made us, the one who designed us, the one who gave us purpose and destiny and, 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 and has all this set out in place. He knows, so let's just go to God. So we see here that he said, make, let us make man in our image. That's position. That's position in our image. And then he says, let's go back up to verse 26. Let us make man in our image and according to our likeness. That's function. So we see here right out the gate that your position determines your performance. Your position determines your performance. Uh, Right now I'm, I'm watching the World Series. Anybody watching the World Series? There's one back there. I knew I'd get one hand. Nobody else. All right, that's all right. Just open up the airways for Chuck and I. We don't have low signals. Things are just flying to us. We don't have anybody else going on that. That's all right. Uh, but we, um, uh, me and Chuck, we're watching the World Series. And we, we see the values being in position. We see the values being in position. I'm going to try to explain this as best as I can. But uh, in, in baseball, uh, you have right-handed hitters and you have left-handed hitters. That means they hit from certain sides of the plate. And uh, when you get a left-handed hitter, that is a pull hitter, that means when he swings, he usually pulls the ball to this half of the field. He very rarely goes over here. Okay? So what the uh, teams will do is they'll put on what they call a shift, and they'll take a third baseman that's over here on the infield and a shortstop that's over here on the infield. And since this guy never really goes that way, they're going to bunch them up over here on this side. Yeah, you can do that. It's not cheating. You can do that. And because they know he most of the time will go this way. But what happens, what happens is you've got a shortstop and a third baseman that are now playing second base, playing on a a position that's not normally where they play. There's a few things that can happen. Uh, we have seen a few of these left-handed guys uh, learn how to hit the ball the other way, learn how to hit it over to that side. Sometimes they'll even bunt the ball. You'll get a power hitter, a guy that's going to, you know, this guy's known for smoking it, clearing the fence, man. He, he can launch it. And he'll bunt the ball. Why? I just want to get on base just taking one for the team. I don't have to be the powerhouse. I don't have to show myself off. There's nobody over here. I just want to get on base. That's an automatic hit if he can get it down. And why is that possible? Because someone is out of position. And there's a guy that's playing on the New York Mets right now that's taking advantage of this not once but twice. His name's Daniel Murphy. And he'll get on first base. There's nobody at third base. And so if he's going to second base, he'll go to third base because there's nobody there. They're out of position. And your position determines your performance. You can't perform well when you're out of position. Now, we know what happens here in Genesis chapter 1. This is what we call God's purpose or God's reason for creating man. God created man to rule and reign on the earth. We just read it. Let them have dominion. It doesn't say I'm in charge. It says you're in charge. God's the owner. 
God owns the earth. We know in Psalms chapter 24, it tells us uh, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Everything that's in it belongs to God. But how many of you have ever owned something that you put in somebody else's position to manage? And that's what you and I are. We're managers. I don't know if you've ever rented a home. Some of you might be renting right now. You don't own the home, but you manage it. You don't have to call the owner and say, hey, what do you want the thermostat at? You don't have to call... You don't have to call the owner and say, hey, is it all right if we move the desk into the, in, in, into the first bedroom? I know you call it the bedroom, but I think it's going to be a good office chair. You don't have to, you're the manager. You make those choices. Can you come lock our doors for us? No, you manage the place. They own it, but you manage it. And that's what you and I were created to do. God is the owner of this planet, but you and I are uh, here to manage it. And Adam and Eve were placed in the garden to manage it. That's what uh, subdue means. It means to overtake, to control. It tells us to uh, fulfill or, or be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. These are responsibilities. These are commands that Adam and Eve had been given instructions into what? Manage what's been placed in their possession. And as long as they're in position. They can perform according to God's design. But man, when you take a third baseman and you stick him over on the, on the second base side, uh, you can't expect him to know exactly what he's doing over there. Uh, and, and, and when the guy hits the ball the other way, you can't be upset because you're the one that pulled him out of position. You can't yell at the third baseman that's over on the second base side and say, hey, man, what are you doing? Where are you at? Well, coach, you put me over here. Yeah, but that's third base. That's your position. Well, I might be a third baseman, but I'm no longer in position to operate as a third baseman. I might be a manager of the earth, but because the devil came in and I handed all my rights over, now all of a sudden we've got an Old Testament full of men and women that are not managing the earth according to God's standards. Genesis chapter 3 shows up. I'm not going to have you turn there. You know what happened. The snake comes in. The snake deceives Eve. Eve goes to her husband. Uh, he's deceived. They take of the fruit and they eat. What happened? They got out of position. The devil wants you out of position because if he can get you out of position, he can get you working for him rather than you working for God. This is not the enemy wanting to kill you. He doesn't want to kill you. He just wants to kill your purpose. He's not after you. He's after your purpose. He's after why God put you in the earth. He's not after you and after your family and after all that stuff. He wants to get you out of position because you are uh, uh, effective for his kingdom if you're out of position. You're out of position, now you're working for him. You're working against the kingdom of God now. And Adam and Eve found themselves out of position just two chapters later. You didn't even get that far. And they're already out of position. And what was, what was lacking? Their performance. Uh, I can't subdue the earth. I don't have dominion over the earth anymore. But see, God does something very powerful in this verse. In verse 26, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And then he says these words, let them have dominion. Let them have dominion. Let them have dominion. Let them have dominion. God gave power and control 
and authority over the earth to man. Now, my Bible tells me that God is a spirit, John chapter 4. God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. That means God doesn't have access in the earth without you and I. Yeah, I'll say that again. God doesn't have access into the earth without you and I. What God just did by saying, let them have dominion, is he just ruled himself out of doing anything in the earth without using you and I. Now, that may be the first time you've ever heard that. Because we've heard, well, God is in control. God is all-powerful. He sure is. But God is a God that's also bound by his word. You realize if he broke his word over one thing, he could break his word over all of them. If he broke a promise over one thing, he could break his promises, all his promises. We, we, we could disregard the entire Bible for that matter. But we know that God uh, is a man that he should not lie. We know that God uh, is able to perform the promises that he gives. We know that God is bound by his word. So if he says, let them have dominion, that means from now on, I've got to use a man in the earth. I've got to find a man to part the Red Sea. I've got to find a man to deliver Israel out of Egypt. I've got to find a man to kill Goliath. I've got to find a man to redeem mankind. God's in a dilemma now. God's in a dilemma. I'm the only one that can save mankind, but I'm the only one that can't save So I've got to find a way to put myself in play. Why didn't God just in Genesis chapter 4, why why did we wait so long? Why did we get so far down the line? Why didn't God just change something? He had a plan in place the whole time. He needed to use a man to perform his purpose. But you can't perform your purpose out of position. So none of us, come on, look at this, none of us could save ourselves. Why? We've got sin in us. God has to find a sinless being on the planet. God's the only one that doesn't have sin. But he's out of position. He's out of position. He's spirit. And he just said, let them, who's them? Man, let mankind have dominion. So I've got to find a way to put my, I've got to get in position. <laughs> are you seeing this? I've got to get in position. As long as you and I are in position, he can use us. If we're out of position, our, perfor- our performance is lacking. Come on, this is going to answer some questions for you tonight. Because you've been wondering, I've been praying. I've been believing. I've been standing in faith. I mean, I know God's word on healing. I know God's word on my finances. I know God's word on my family. I know God's word on my marriage. I I know what it says. I'm standing. I'm believing. I'm agreeing. I'm confessing. I'm testifying. I'm doing all those things. But I'm not in position. And even God out of position couldn't perform. And so he finds a way to get himself in play. What's he doing? getting in position. And so Jesus was in position. And so as long as Jesus was in position, he could perform the Father's function. And that's why the whole time he was saying, man, I, I, I'm not here doing what I want to do. I'm not here doing my will. I, I, I don't seek my own will. I don't seek my own. I only seek that which the Father has sent me to do. 
John chapter 5, John chapter 6, John chapter 7. Then we get down to the garden where he's, he's uh, sweating drops of blood. His conversation, what's the conversation? Lord, uh, if, if there's any way, Father, for this to be, uh, to, for this cup to pass for me, let it happen. But, but I've got to be in position, not my will, your will. Because if I do my will, I get out of position and I can't be, I can't perform your purpose out of position. So I've got to stay in position. And so Jesus is able to perform the purpose of the Father by staying in position. And we know what Jesus did. He stayed to that position. Stayed to that position. And and, and Jesus operated in position. There's nothing that dominated Jesus. No demon. No sickness. No disease. I mean, diseases they don't even have cures for. Diseases that they're having to put these people into camps. You've got to get them out of town. You can't even be here. Leprosy, blood disorders. I mean, you can't even be around us. You've got a man that's possessed with a legion of demons. That's a lot of demons. At least a thousand different demons in, a, in, a, in, a, in an individual. Man can't conquer that, but Jesus takes care of it. No problem. Walks on water. Is telling waves and winds to stop. Not even death, not even a man that was four days in the grave could stop Jesus. He dominated. Why? He's in position. He's in position. Now here's the cool thing. Second Corinthians chapter five. Second Corinthians chapter five. Jesus did some remarkable things and, and we put Jesus on this pedestal. And rightfully so, he is the Son of God. He is the Son of God, the only begotten of the Father. But 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 tells me something. It says, therefore, therefore, watch this, if anyone is in, everyone say in, everyone say in, look at your neighbor and say in, look at your other neighbor and say in, look at that neighbor again and say in, just keep looking at him and say in, if anyone is in. In Christ, he is a what? New creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Jesus came to get you back in position. He showed up and said, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. wait a minute, come over here. You're supposed to be right here because I need you to do this, this, this. So I need you to be here because you can't do this, this, this over here. So I need to bring you over here. Colossians chapter three, or Colossians, uh, Colossians chapter one tells us that we were translated, we were brought over from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of His beloved Son. Transferred, translated, pulled out from one place to another. What you were taken out of this and brought into this. It was your position. Because your position determines your performance. The devil's after your position. The devil didn't want to kill Adam and Eve. He wanted to get them out of their position. Why didn't he just kill Adam and Eve? Why didn't he just wipe them off the planet? If he cared so much to just get them out of there. No, he didn't want them out of the earth. He wanted them out of position. Because if they're out of position, then he gets control over the earth. And the Bible tells us that the God of this world, the ruler of this age, and the ruler of this world is 
the devil. Why? Because man was taken out of position. But Jesus came to redeem you, to restore you back. Now, see, we've, we've been preaching for far too long. Jesus came, died on the cross so I could die and go to heaven. But I'm going to tell you, heaven wasn't your original position. Show me one place in, 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 in Genesis where Adam and Eve were just saying, Jesus, when are you coming back to take us to heaven? Not one time. The word restore means to place back in the original position. The original position. So my Bible's up here on this podium. If it falls off, and lands on the ground, and I take this Bible, and I place it over here on this chair, did I restore the Bible? Did I restore the Bible? No, I didn't place it back in its original position. The only way I could restore the Bible is by placing it back. Man didn't fall from heaven. Man fell from authority. Man fell out of position. Man was in charge. And when man sinned, man lost the authority and lost the control and the management and the stewardship over the earth that he was originally given. So Jesus didn't come and die on a cross and go through everything he went through to get us to heaven. Now, yes, heaven is a byproduct. You will go to heaven one day. That is a result of living for the kingdom on this earth. But while you're here, Jesus came to get you back in position so we can be in charge once again. He came to get you back in position. Look at verse 21, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, verse 17 says, and verse 21 says, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. What? He positioned him. Positioned him. That we might become the righteousness of God in him. Righteousness. Righteousness. Righteousness isn't a Bible term. A lot of us look at righteousness as, you know, that's one of those Bible scholarly doctrinal theological terms. But it's not. It, it, it just means in right alignment with the governing authority. Righteousness is the position Jesus came to put you in. And so now what happens is Jesus made you righteous. Adam and Eve were righteous. They were what? In right alignment with the governing authority, with God's authority. See, when you don't submit to God's authority, it removes you from having authority. I'll say that again. If you don't submit to God's authority, it will remove you from having authority, from being in authority. We saw this with King Saul. Anyone remember King Saul? King Saul was the very first king of Israel. Uh, man picked him because he looked good and he was tall and looked like he was royalty and said, hey, man, he looks like a good king. And we know that God measures differently. God doesn't look at the height. God doesn't look at the outward appearance. He looks at the heart. But man picked him. And King Saul started out good. And so as long as he was submitted to God, he was in authority. But then uh, an, an instance happens over in 1 Samuel chapter 15 uh, where uh, God commands King Saul to go in and obliterate a nation, the Amalekites. Get rid of them, every single one of them, every child, every donkey, every 
uh, cattle, get rid of the king himself, and he ended up keeping a bunch of stuff. What's that called? That's called sin. What's sin? Sin's just disobedience. That's all that sin is. Sin just means I've disobeyed the command or the authority that's over me. Sin will get you out of alignment. Sin will get you out of position. And, and, and Samuel, the prophet, shows up to King Saul and says, what, what's all this stuff that I hear? You, you, you've gotten out of position. You've disobeyed what, the, what God said. And he said, this day, this day, God has removed you from being king. Why? Because if you can't submit to God, nothing will submit to you. If you're out of position, you can't perform. If you're out of position, you can't perform. So God came to deal with the thing that got you out of position. All of us were born into the first Adam, Adam's sin. Every single one of us. Romans chapter three, uh, 3, verse 23 tells us that we have all sinned and fallen short. What's that? We got out of position. You were born out of position. You were never in position from the start. I mean, you were doomed for lack of performance. But now Jesus shows up to get you in position, to make you righteousness. Throw verse 21 back up there again. Because in him, in him, we have become the righteousness of God. In him. If you're in Jesus, you're in righteousness. Righteousness is a position. You are righteous. I don't, I, I, I don't care if you cuss somebody out on the way here. I don't care if you flip them off. I don't care what you uh, did last night. I don't care what you did this morning. I don't care. You are righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So now because I am righteous, I need to be holy. Holiness is an action. Righteousness is a position. Righteousness is who I am, and holiness is what I do as a result of who I am. So we need to work. We need to be holy. But you are righteous. You can't be any more righteous tomorrow than you are today. You can't be any more righteous tomorrow than you were when you first said the prayer. You can be more holy, and that's just, God, i got to align my life and my actions and my talk and my thoughts uh, and my living to the righteousness that's on the inside of me. But I am Righteous. Don't ever let the devil think, make you think you're not righteous. Don't ever let the devil make you think, ah, oh, you blew it. You're out of position. He, you, God can't do anything. No, you are in position. Therefore, you can perform the, per, the purpose of the Father. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Tell yourself that every day. When you blow it, you stop and say, no, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I don't have to live like this. I don't have to live according to sin. Sin doesn't control me. I control it. I tell my body what it's going to do. I tell the devil where to go. I tell, I tell, I t I'm in control now. I'm in position. I'm, I'm righteous. That's my position. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I am in position. Paul talks a little more about this position over in Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. God got us back in position through his son, Jesus. Jesus stayed in position. Jesus is our example that, look, if you're in position, you can perform. 
you can stay in position. You can do everything that God says you can do. You can be everything God says that you can be. And, and, and just to let you know, God didn't change his mind after Genesis chapter 3. Just to throw that out there. God didn't see man fall and say, man, I didn't see that coming. Hmm. Well, let's just find a way to get him to heaven. Forget the whole earth. That, you know, it was a crazy plan anyways. It probably, I, I thought maybe we'd at least get to Genesis chapter 4, but we only made it to Genesis chapter 3. Forget it, man. Let's just get him up here. Let's just have this big Jesus party up here in heaven. We'll all just float around on clouds and play harps and live in mansions and walk on streets of gold and just have a good old time. He didn't change his mind. See, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 is what we call the original intent. The original intent. If you want to know what your phone was designed to do, you've got to go to the creator because he originally designed it to perform. You can take this thing and say, oh, I'm just looking for a paperweight. Let's just stick it on there. That way my papers won't fly. And you can use it for that, but that's not what it was created to do. And the creator's going to show up and say, you know that thing makes cars. You know that thing, you, you, you know, you can, you can communicate with that as a communication. You know you can look stuff up with that. I mean, I know you've been using it as a paperweight, but what are they, what's, the, what's the creator going to do? He's going to take you back to, this is why I designed it. I love that kind of stuff. I went back a while back and, and watched Steve Jobs' video uh, of when he originally released the iPhone. It's, it's just cool the way he did it. He said, today we are releasing three new devices. Three new devices. We're going uh, to release a device today that uh, is a phone. It's, it's a uh, phone that is, is doing stuff that no other phone is doing. We're, we're going to release another device today that uh, you can answer email. You can write your emails and you can receive your emails on it, uh, and it's an email device. And then we're also going to release a device today that is an Internet browser in your phone. And then he unveils the iPhone and he says all three of those are just one device. That was the original intent. That was the original design for the iPhone. But now, obviously, it can do way more than that. That's what we call the original intent. And God's original intent is in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, and he didn't change his mind. See, that's what you and I do. When stuff breaks, we quit. The car breaks, get me a new one. And then we, you know, get a little more real with it. When my marriage breaks, get a new one. When my family breaks, get a new one. When I'm tired of being a dad, I'll just quit being a dad. I mean, that's, that's, that's the American nature. That's the American culture. But God says, no, when I see something broken, broken, I fix it. I make it right. So he saw man broken. Their performance is lacking because they're out of position. So I'm not going to get them to heaven. I'm going to get them back in position that I originally created them to be. You, you seeing this tonight? Is this... Are you catching this? God got us back in position through his son. So look what Paul says here, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? According to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ, when he raised him from the dead and seated him, Jesus, at his right hand in heavenly places, 
far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. The starting step. That's where Jesus is. Jesus is in heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father. What's that mean? That means a position of authority. The king's right hand was always a position where he delegated his authority. Whoever sat at his right hand, in essence, is second in command. Carries out what the king wants to do. That's where Jesus is. Far above all principles. That means it's not nipping at his heels. It's not like right down there, you know, trying to get him. Far above all principality and power and might and every name that is there. I mean, uh, would anybody agree with me tonight that there is nothing that controls Jesus? Anybody agree with me? Jesus is in charge. Jesus is in control. He's over all of it, right? Go to the next verse, verse uh, 22. And he put all things under his feet. Everything's under Jesus' feet. And gave him, Jesus, to be head over all things to the church. To the church, which is his body. The fullness of him who fills all in all. Go back to verse 22. Did he just say the church? Did he just say the church? I I thought we were talking about Jesus here. I thought Jesus was in control. I thought Jesus was far above all principality and power and might and dominion. And now Paul just changed course here. He's not talking about Jesus. Now he's talking about the church. He gave him to be head over all things to the church. Verse 23, which is his body. The church is the body of Christ. Now let me explain that to you. You're looking at Mark. Pastor Mark, head to toe. Not one of you came in here saying, hey, how are you, Pastor Mark's head? And what's going on, Pastor Mark's body and Pastor Mark's hand? And Pastor? No, all of it was Pastor Mark. All of it. And Jesus is the head of his body, the church. So, if Jesus is far above all principality, power, might, dominion, every name that is named, that means his body is far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is there. Basically, what's he saying? If it belongs to Jesus, it belongs to you. Why? You're in position. He just puts you back in position. He just puts you back in position. And we can keep going here. In chapter 2, verse 1, it says, And you, he made alive. Made alive. Why? Because you were dead. You were dead in trespasses and sins. You once walked according to the course of this world. What's he talking about? You're out of position. According to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Your performance is determined by your position. You are performing for the world and performing for the enemy because you are out of position. But now that you're in position, verse 3, among whom 
Also, we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh, of the mind, who were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. He's talking about your position. But God, everyone say, but God. Come on, say, but God. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, uh, made us alive together. Everyone say together. With Christ, by grace you have been saved and raised us up together. Everyone say together. And made us sit together. Everyone say together. In the heavenly places, in Christ Jesus. He made you sit together. Where's Jesus sitting? Where are we seated together with? We are seated in heavenly places at the right hand of the Father. Going back far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named. That's you and I. You've been waiting to die and get to heaven before you're in control. And he's saying, what you waiting for? I've already put you in position. So now you can start to perform according to your position. Sickness doesn't rule you anymore. You rule sickness. Lack doesn't rule you anymore. You rule lack. Uh, Hate and anger doesn't rule you anymore. You rule by love. You don't walk like you used to walk in the world. You don't live like you used to live in the world. You're in position. If it belongs to Jesus, it belongs to you. If Jesus had control over it, you have control over it. If it doesn't control Jesus, it doesn't control you. It's that simple. We're in position. We're in position. Look at verse 13. Watch this. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 13. Tie it all together right here. Uh, I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 2, verse. Well, I don't want to go to 13. We didn't read 10. We've got to read 10. Ephesians 2, verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in. Everyone say in. Created in Christ Jesus for Good works. What does that sound like? Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Isn't that what that sounds like? For we are his workmanship, created, let us make. In Christ Jesus, in our image. For good works, function. According to our likeness. Function. What did he just do? He restored that. He just did Genesis chapter 1 verse 26. All over again. Which God prepared. Beforehand. Well when is beforehand? Genesis chapter 1 verse 26. Before there was ever a a human being. Walking on the planet, God had already spoke what we would do. God prepared beforehand that we would walk in that position. In. In 
position. You and I are in position. Look, God prepared your position so that you could perform his purpose. God prepared your position so you could perform his purpose. God prepared your position. God created you to be something so you could do something. You don't know what to do until you know who you are. You got to find out who you are until you know what you will do. See, that's why copying, and we see this, you know, a ton in high school. All we do is we just try to mimic somebody else. And until you find out who you are, you'll never know what you're supposed to do. You'll keep trying to do what that other individual was, is doing, yet you weren't called to do what they're doing. Just be yourself. Just be who God created you to be. Just get in position. Get in the position that God created you to be in, and you'll do what God created you to do. Get in position. we got to get in position. Look at verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus. Chase, if you come up. Lisa, if you come up. But now in Christ Jesus. In. See, Paul uses this terminology over a hundred times. Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Paul knows about being in position. Paul was out of position. Paul was killing Christians. He made it his mandate. I'm wiping these Christians off the face. I don't want to hear one more person talk about it. He's out of position. But then Jesus shows up. The road to Damascus. The blinding light. It says, why are you kicking against me? Why, why are you fighting this thing so hard? You need to get in position. You need to get in position. A man that was so far out of position. we're blind. We're blinded. We don't know what we're supposed to do. We don't know where we're supposed to go. But until you find out who you are, you won't know what you're supposed to do. Until you find out who you are in Christ. And so Paul uses this terminology in Christ. He uses this terminology in almost all of his books. In Christ. In him. In who. Why? That's your position. And until you find out your position, you can't do your performance. You can't function outside of the position. You can't be at third base if you're over by second base. You can't be, uh, uh, you can't perform and do what God's called you to do and what he's planned for you to do if you're not where you're supposed to be. Why is it working? Now, I want to tell you something. Let me tell you something. Your position is not reflected by your condition. Your position is not determined or reflected 
by your condition. What's that mean? I may not be performing at that level today, but it's within me to do it. God loves talking about potential. That's why he found a hundred-year-old man and said, you're going to be the father of many nations. That's why he found Gideon, who was hiding, and said, you're going to defeat this army. That's why he found David, who is a little shepherd boy, overlooked by everybody, and said, you're going to be the leader of my people. You're going to kill Goliath, not some strong warrior that's trained for battle, a shepherd boy that knows who he is in Christ. Why? Because I'm talking about what's on the inside, positions on the inside, conditions on the outside. You're thinking right now, there's no way I'm positioned for greatness. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know what happened in my marriage. You don't know what my kids are like. You don't know what my financial status is. You don't know where I grew up. You don't know what my money thing looks like. You don't know the gifts and talents that I wish I had. But God knows what's on the inside. He knows your position against your condition. At the outside and start looking at what's on the inside. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. I don't want to hear about you. I don't want to hear about what you've been through. It glorifies God only if we continue to pursue what God has for us. Your past is a is not an excuse. Your past is a testimony of God's grace. In spite of all this, God still will use it. In spite of my body being dead and my wife being barren and us being beyond years of childbearing age, I will still be the father of many nations. And I, God will even change my name so you'll start calling me that even though I'm not That's the God I serve. I don't care what Adam did. I don't care what Eve did. We were all born into sin. So what? I'm in position. I've been positioned for grace. I'm in Christ Jesus. I'm in Him. And if it belongs to Jesus, it belongs to me. If, if Jesus has control over it, I have control over it. If it doesn't control Jesus, it doesn't control me. I hope this encourages you. It encouraged me. I want to buy the text. It encouraged me. I, I don't know if you're in this room. Close your eyes. Everyone, bow your head. Close your eyes. I don't know if you're in this room, and, and, and this whole time you're just thinking about everything that's taking you out of position. You're thinking about the mess. You're probably in a mess right now. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 tells us, that we have to renew our minds. Renew our minds. Be transformed. Be transformed. Be transformed. Do not conform to this world. Don't do do not become like this world. Don't reflect this world. Don't don't get out of position, but be transformed. Get in position by the renewing of your mind. If you can change your mind, you can change your life. those of you in this room, it's not that you're not in position, you just aren't thinking like it. Maybe you, this maybe this is the first time you've ever heard a message like this. Maybe all the other churches you've been to have just been telling you that, that you know, you are what you are and just thank God that we all have uh, an opportunity to get to heaven one day and you 
you've got a struggle through this life. I don't know what they've told you. I don't know what they've preached to you. I don't know what your friends are saying. I don't know what your parents are saying. I don't know what, what, what's being ministered to you on a regular basis. But I'm here to tell you what the Word says. The Word tells you you're in position. The Word tells you that you are in Christ. The Word tells you that you are a new creation. All things have passed away. All things have become new. I am in Him. And in Him is everything I need to do what I'm supposed to do. I'm in position. Therefore, I will perform according to my position. So, Father, I thank you right now in the name of Jesus. I thank you that you are moving upon hearts, moving upon lives, and moving upon minds right now. I thank you that you reveal to every individual in this room that they are in position. They don't have to try to be. They don't have to work for it. They don't have to ask you for it. You have have placed them in position. If they are a new creation in Christ Jesus, they are in position for good works. Father, I thank you right now. That as a result, as a result of identifying with our new position, we can perform. We can perform what you told us to perform. We see the greatness that's inside of us even when we don't see it. We see the power and the potential that is within us even when it's not coming out. Father, we thank you that you have positioned us for greatness in your kingdom. Father, we give you all the glory. It's not about us. It's about the work that you've done in us. Father, we thank you that we uh, can give you the honor and the praise tonight. And reflect, reflect the kingdom of God in Jesus' name. In Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said, amen.